0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Tom. Welcome to Hope Church. It's good to have you with us as we worship God together today. Uh, If you are visiting with us or if you have any prayer requests, we encourage you to fill out this piece of cardstock in your bulletin. We will follow up with you accordingly. And I just encourage you, even if you're online, you can go through our website and send us an email with prayer requests. We would love to hear from you. We take those very seriously, so please communicate with us what is going on in your life so that we can be in prayer for your needs. And several things going on around here that you should probably know about. Um, in addition to our Sunday morning live stream, there's also a Tuesday night Bible study at 7 on Tuesdays, and that's uh, going to we're going to conclude a series that we've been going through up until this point called What We Believe and then we will take a break over the week of Thanksgiving. So we have one meeting this week and then no Zoom next Tuesday, um, or the Tuesday after that. And then we will resume with a short burst of interesting content in December for about four Tuesdays. And then we'll break again for the Christmas and New Year's holidays and resume in January. But that's something I encourage you to Zoom in for. youth group tonight 515 right here we will serve you dinner we will have some Bible study and some fellowship and some fun and some food and it's good time and we encourage you to be here for that Um, we also have a men's night coming up on the 19th that's a Friday night Uh, we'll be up here we will set up the nativity scene we will also eat together and fellowship And just a good opportunity to get together with some other men and uh, dig in a little bit to God's word and what's going on in each other's lives. And just it's it's a fruitful time. And I encourage you to be here for that if you are available. Uh, We're going to (coughs) one week from today. So when the men are here Friday night, one of the things they're going to do is get all the Christmas decorations down out of the attic. And those will be sitting out in our family room. And then th- on Sunday after church, some of our women have um, taken on the task of decorating for Christmas. So you're encouraged to, s- to stick around for that and uh, help decorate if you would like. We are going to have on Sunday, December the 5th, a lunch after church. And this is uh, really our first uh, post-church lunch post COVID so um, we're going to do it a little bit differently it's not going to be a potluck we're going to have individual sandwiches for everyone and uh, so hopefully it'll be it will not be some you know funky super spreader event it'll just be lunch together and then depending on how many folks we have and how that goes or how it is going etc we will break into smaller groups for prayer at the end of that lunch so we'll have some time for fellowship We're going to be partially indoors, partially outside, weather permitting, um, just to kind of spread out and just make sure that this event is uh, good for everyone or as many as possible. So encourage you to mark your calendars for that. That's Sunday, December the 5th, and uh, we will uh, have all that ready to go after church that Sunday. Um, Some other Christmas save the dates. We have a, well, the four-week Tuesday night Christmas story, Bible study we talked about earlier. Um, we're having that care grou- group lunch, men's night, youth group. Did I already cover all these? Okay, and we are, we're, caroling is on. It says it is here. I'm just verifying. Oh, it says, se- I can't read. Let me do this. Yes. No, that's, not, that's not very Christmassy. Right, There's a bunch of witnesses, they'll probably let us in. So what come see. De- December the 17th, is that a Friday night? Friday night. Okay. So that's the proposal. We're going to try to do caroling Friday night, December 17th, in the Siena neighborhood. But we need to reach critical mass first before we fully commit to that. Um, so that's what's going on. There's a women's ornament exchange on December the 19th um, in the Hope Church family room. And then, of course, our Christmas Eve service with cookies is on December 24th at 5.30. So that's a lot of what's going on around here. I'm going to explain a couple other things as well. Um, The past couple years, we've done the um, Samaritan's Purse shoeboxes, and this year we're going to uh, replace that That was always called, I think, Operation Christmas Child, and we now are going to engage in Operation, I don't know, Bless Cuba or something like that. Um, Miguel, the pastor of our sister church, how do I explain this? His wife, Tatiana, has called me at least once a week on this terrible thing called WhatsApp. It's free to make international calls, and she she gets her money's worth, let me tell you. Um, but uh, she called, she's called me every week since June trying to get Miguel a ticket out of Cuba into the United States so that he can activate a visa that he has to travel here for religious purposes. Well, somehow, by the grace of God, they found in Cuba, uh, the Cuban government opened up a bunch of flights on a last-minute notice to for people who needed to get here because our government had put in a deadline like if you come in after November something you and you're not vaccinated you go you fly you back and so anyway he's here in the United States he's in Florida he will be here with us the first Sunday in December and what I would like to do we have a list we have a (laughs) we have most of a list now in English thanks to Laura that uh, And I did figure out the one weird item that we couldn't figure out. It's a handheld blender. That's all it is, just the cheap little stick it in the glass and hit frappe. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to send out a list this week, and it's going to be in a form of a Google Sheet. And you can just sign up next to something you want to buy, just like we do for you know several other things around here. And are we doing a Blueprint Christmas as well, Lois? Are we doing gifts for Blueprint? Do you know? Okay, all right. We may do Blueprint some Blueprint. That's the local ministry that our youth youth group serves every summer, and we usually do Christmas presents for the, some of their families as well. That's also very simple. Um, but we're going to try to send Miguel home with a couple duffel bags full of stuff that they honestly have not been able to get recently, and. Yeah, we'll, ta- we'll talk more about their situation, but just unbelievable uh, levels of lockdown in his country, and um, so we're going to try to bless them this year. Uh, instead of doing something through Samaritan's Purse, we're going to focus it on our sister church, and uh, we'll, you'll have details coming up, but uh, it will also be the kind of thing where like if you if you don't want to go out and shop for stuff, and we'll have a table you can drop stuff off. But you can just s- say, we'll donate you know, this much money. And I always end up taking him to Costco, which is kind of a mind-blowing experience for a Cuban to walk out of a place where you can't even find rice and into a place where you, you like just like hordes of everything. And uh, anyway, so that's coming up. Just want to put that on your radar. And uh, I also want to officially thank my brother, Drew, he, he came in town for my birthday a couple weeks ago, double nickels, woo-hoo, all right, and uh, there was no room at the end, so he had to stay in a hotel room, and then he left this lovely birthday present for me in his hotel room, and it just, it's a little loose down here, yeah, a little tight up here, uh, but I think I'll manage, but thank you, Drew, for my birthday present. I love it. Uh, what's that? He's on the Zoom, excellent, perfect. <laughs> hey, since 1966, I've been making your hand-me-downs look better. <laughs> Haven't stopped yet. All right. Yes, and my, my mother was raised in the Depression, so I was the youngest of five. I didn't get new clothes. I got patches on my tough skins, right, and then occasionally I'd hold up something, and I'd go, Mom, this was Sherry's. And she would say, it's perfectly fine. You can wear it to school. Rise up and call her blessed. blessed. She's an incredible woman. Um, And she's agreeing with everything I just said. She's, yeah. So, anyway, I love you, Mom. I love you, Drew. I love you all. Let's pray, and we'll get started in uh, our, our time in God's word this morning. God, our loving Father, we come before you. As we open your word, we pray you would open our hearts, that you would speak to us and grow us more and more into the men and women of God that you created us to be. Father, we lay at the foot of your cross the burdens of our hearts, that we might be more free to encounter you here through your word today. We give you our sins, failures, disappointments, and fears, and we just thank you for the forgiveness, mercy, grace, and hope that are ours in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we lift before you those relationships in our lives that are strained. We pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift before you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses. We pray your healing mercies over your people. We think of, especially of John Dunn and Just pray your healing mercies over him. We pray for Lori Branson as she recovers from surgery. We pray for Jim Harris as he uh, battles uh, the depletion of his eyesight. We just pray for healing there. We pray for all of those that we know and love who are in need of your healing now. And Lord, we lift up this country and we just pray for our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed. We pray that you would give them wisdom and discernment in the decisions that are before them, and we lift up our men and women in uniform, especially this week as we honor our veterans. We thank you for their service to our country, for their willingness to write a blank check to the Constitution that we live under, that they were willing to serve and sacrifice and that we are thankful for the freedoms we enjoy as the result of their service. We pray your blessing over them, over their families. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way, and we ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift up those who've returned home changed as a result of their service. We pray that you would pour out your healing mercies and your peace upon their hearts, minds, bodies, and souls. And we ask that you would use us, your church, to minister your grace, and your love to them and their families as they uh, are restored to civilian life and learning to live back here. We just pray your blessing over that entire process. And Lord, we lift up the churches that we're connected to through our denomination, through our missions giving. We think especially this morning of our sister church in Cuba, and we pray that we would be a blessing to them in the weeks ahead, and we thank you for that connection that we enjoy there. And we just pray, Father, that your word would go forth through your people uh, here at Hope and around the world and that it would not return to you empty. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yes. At this time, I would like to have all the important people come down to the front if you are in fifth grade or younger you are invited down for the children's chat at this time how are y'all doing doing all right okay so a <coughs> couple things got to find my notes here they are all right so how strong are you you're strong Strong, healthy, well-fed, all right? And how weak are you? Hmm, weird question, right? Let me read a Bible verse to you. So God says, My power is made perfect in weakness. That seems weird, because doesn't God want you to be healthy and strong? Yeah, right? But he says that his power is made perfect in our weakness. What do you think he means by that? Yes, ma'am. Yes. So when when our weakness is sort of on display, his power is more important. When there's something we cannot do, it makes what God can do more important, right? So, let's see. Have you ever been in a dark room? What do you want when you're in a dark room? Yes, sir. Light, right? It helps. And as soon as there's light, you feel more comfortable and you appreciate, even if it's a little bit of light, you appreciate it more if you were in a dark room. If you were in a bright room or even outside and you turned a light on, you might not even notice it, right? So God's love, God's grace, God's power works much the same way when we have times in our lives that are difficult or sad or otherwise not fun. It makes God's love, God's light, God's power shine even brighter. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, let me say a prayer with you guys and then you can go to Hope for Kids. You're going to have a ton of fun today. You're going to find out what this is if you don't know already. You do know what that is already? Okay. Well, it's kind of cool. So you'll get to play with one of these. Yes. We can't call it what I called it when I was a kid, but... Yeah, you yeah. can call it, yes, a finger trap, that works. I have, I, 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 I have my own from um, um, my All right. Well, I it, <coughs> I can I can I can okay. Well, you'll, it'll all make sense after Hope for Kids today. You'll understand how this finger trap relates to God's power, our weakness, when we are weak. He is strong. Let me pray for you guys. Dear God, thank you for these precious children. Thank you for the gift that they are to our lives, our families, our church. And we just pray your blessing over them as they study more of your word and hope for kids today. Fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of your love for them through Jesus Christ. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Y'all have a great time in hope for kids. Oh, hey, Esther, can you take this back with you? Cool. Thank you. (laughs) All right, we already prayed, right? All right, well, and and thank you to our veterans who uh, have served this country. We are grateful for that service and for... Uh, you being a part of our family. So thank you, and uh, here we go. Uh, and this is, this is a... So <coughs> I plan out sermon series. I know this will shock some of you to hear this, but I, I, I usually have them laid out like months in advance. And I, I, so the reason I say that is this is like a really <laughs> well-timed message for the, the week that we celebrate our veterans And I had nothing to do with that timing, right? I just laid out a series, we slapped it onto the calendar, and here we are. Um, But for those who have served and who have returned home uh, different from the way they left, for those who are afflicted in life in any way, um, uh, this sermon is not intended to fix you. That's, That's not what we can do here. But it's intended to demonstrate to each of us how God moves toward us in our affliction, in our difficulties. How he redemptively sort of enters that space where we are broken and shines light and love and hope into our context. And so this message is really for everyone who... uh, is in the reality of being human, um, but also, I hope, well-timed for those who have served. I want to just set some some background for you as we approach this text. We're going to be reading a text out of 2 Corinthians. Uh, this was written by the Apostle Paul. And someone in the church in Corinth had questioned Paul's authority or Paul's ability to correct them, to correct their theology, their behavior, their life together as a church. Paul, this church was a mess, I should point out. These were some really messed up people. And the the great thing about the church in Corinth is that most of these people, before they came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, had no idea who God was or how they're supposed to act or whatever. And so Paul has this church full of people who don't really know what it means to be a Christian, what it what it, what life should look like or how it should be different because of our faith. And there's all kinds of strife and infighting and and sin and difficulty within this congregation. And Paul writes a series of letters to them. And in so doing, he is at at one point sort of questioned for Like, what right does he have to tell us what to do? And in this (coughs) passage, Paul, just prior to the part we're going to read, Paul has established himself and his authority as an apostle. uh, And he has also mentioned a, a source or a time, a moment in which God revealed something to him that he said humans aren't supposed to talk about. So he had received a revelation directly from God about well we don't know, um, but God think about this everything that Paul was going to have to go through, including his own execution for being a Christian. He was going to need some. I don't know. I don't know that he needed any further assurance, but God gave him this special revelation uh, that would have served as. An anchor for Paul in some really tumultuous times. Some of the circumstances that he would go through, God had ensured that his faith would never be shaken. And so Paul mentions this that he was um, given this revelation, and he says in in the just the verses prior to the ones I'm going to read. And you're welcome to open your Bible and read it for yourself, but it's not really part of what I want to focus on today. But it is the context out of which Paul says what we're going to focus on today, and so he is going through this description of this divine revelation, and he basically is saying, "Look, if I wanted to like just come in there and lay down the law, I've got that right. Like I'm not just an apostle." I'm, I'm, I've also received something that, that very few others have ever received. Like, I've got some clout here. But then he goes on, and we'll, we'll see how he rolls out of that into a totally different, almost the opposite of laying down the law. Um, and it, he really begins to speak here in the passage we're going to read about the, the reality of his humanity and the, the ways in which God shows up in his brokenness. And so, let's see if I forgot anything else. Yes, so Paul, Paul is really aiming at this idea that God's power shows up the best in the context of our weakness. So let's, with that in view, let's read from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to be in chapter 12, and I'm just going to read verses 7 through 10. So follow along with me if you can. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, Hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I want to <laughs> just take you into a moment. And I, I, I hope that this is just something that you will be able to relate to in some way. Um, but I, I'm keying on, on one word in this passage here where he says, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Our bodies our are inexorably connected to our souls god created both of these realities in us and our bodies live in this world our souls inhabit our bodies our bodies are a reflection of our souls and yet our bodies are not perfect nor are our souls perfect, but the two play together in God's scheme. It's like one reminds us of the other or reveals something of the other. And about, I don't know, a year and three months ago, um, I got like a pain in my right leg that was different from pain I had had in my right leg before. And I didn't initially think anything of it, didn't think it was a big deal, didn't really bother me that much, just was really uncomfortable, and it was increasingly uncomfortable to the point where I I called a friend of mine who at the time was working for a cardiologist in Houston, and uh, I said, uh, what's going on? Actually, let me correct that. I called a friend of mine who's a founding member of Hope Church who's now a doctor in Birmingham he's an orthopedic surgeon and i thought well it's my leg that's kind of orthopedic i guess i don't know what's going on i'll call david so i called david and let me just reassure you that orthopedic surgeons are completely worthless at anything other than taking a chainsaw <laughs> to one of your bones right now that they're incredibly good at any other medical questions don't call an orthopod they don't know they've they've let all that go anyway i love you david um. <laughs> and he would actually agree with that. He's like, yeah, don't call me. I don't know. Um, so anyway, uh, he calls me back a few minutes later after discussing some possibilities. He goes, you know, there is one thing that might be going on there that you should probably go get an ultrasound to make sure, just to rule it out. And I'll never forget the look on the ultrasound tech's face. She was in her... 60s, I would say, and she's been doing this a long time, right? And she puts that little thing on my leg, and she just goes, ooh, right? She didn't actually say anything, but you could just tell she got really serious. And she finished her scan. She put her hand on my shoulder, and she said, you should go to your vascular surgeon's office right now. And if he's not available, you should go to the ER. I was like, hmm, okay. So the vascular surgeon actually came back to his office after he was done at a hospital just to see me. And he gets the ultrasound results, and he's like, okay. You have what's called a deep vein thrombosis. It's the result of a blood clot that has formed in the artery coming out of your right leg before it joins up with the artery that's coming out of your left leg He goes, that's why you're in pain that's what's going on and um, so all that to say he he sends me to go pick up a blood thinner um, and then a couple other things and I'm driving home and I thought you know I should probably call someone in my church and have them pray for me. So I did that. <clears throat> and as I'm asking for prayer, I have this sort of um, sweep of thoughts. And it, they're, they're like, they're my wife, my kids, you, my family my mom my brothers and sisters like all of this flood of it was all people right and I'm thinking this is really weird like I could I could like not even make it home and and so if that blood clot dislodges it goes straight to your lungs and it sticks right in the spot where your blood has to go to get more oxygen. And that's generally bad for your health, I think is a fair way to put it. And so this had been explained to me. And so I'm, I'm having this moment as I'm asking for prayer of, like, I may not even make it home. Like, I might not even, like, it's just a, so here's, here's the only point I'm trying to make our bodies will at some point put us in a position where all we really have is what our souls carry. That love for all those people that kind of flash before my eyes, that's all that mattered. And I want my body to work, right? That's a good thing. But the reason I want it to work is so that I can be part of God's family for as long as He has me here. But I I did I did I think it's called the ugly cry. Like when you're 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 like crying and you can't control it and you want to stop it and it's just you say you do really awkward things, right? I and mean, I'm like mid sentence asking for prayer and all these people come flooding through my mind and whatever right it was it was it was the ugly cry and fortunately you know found a good doctor he did a good job i'm fine i guess i don't know um but that moment, where the body was in question, where it could not be depended on, where it was in the realm of total uncertainty, where it felt like it was failing me, and you know the the, the, the irony in all of that is like, you know what I do? I'm a pa- like I'm not afraid of death. Doesn't like bring it. Let's go. Let's get this craziness over with. You know, Jesus, come now. That's cool by me. Um, but I think for me, it was it was just the the flood of relational. Like this could all be gone, and of course, what comes on the other side of that is so incredibly awesome that it's not even comparable. But here we are, and. So I only, I only share that because I, I'm trying to get to this place where our physical afflictions bring into view our spiritual realities. There's, there's a contrast there that I want to invite you into this morning. And so let's begin with Paul anytime you're reading a Bible verse and it says the same word twice in the same verse, and it's not a the or an and or whatever, pay attention. So what is Paul talking about in verse 7? Well, he uses the word conceited twice. I can relate to that. Um, so we, if we're, I'm going to give you, just start with the takeaway. We are to accept the humility that is, waiting for us in our afflictions. There is something very humbling about our bodies failing us, our bodies uh, not being right. And Paul is, ex- is talking about that exact thing here. And I want you to think about this for a second. He's an apostle. If there's anyone on the planet at the time Paul is writing this who could just, who could just say, God, make it rain. It's Paul. Right? Like miracles have happened at his bequest. He has the power of an apostle and he says to God, "Take this pain out of my body." Whatever that was, he the apostle requested of God and God shakes off shakes off the sign It's like, nope, that's not how this is going to play out. And he asks again and again. God says, "Mm -mm. my will be done. So, Paul is, on the one hand, with the authority he bears, with the revelation he's received, he's got every basis for having human pride and then there's this physical affliction that brings him down that keeps him in a posture of humility. We are to see the inner workings of the hand of God in our lives that Paul's theology here is really interesting. He calls this thorn in the flesh at the same time that he that he sort of attributes it to God, he also simultaneously calls it An angel from Satan is literally the word that he uses. So, Paul's theology is very good. And he reminds us that we have to remember, in our affliction, God is not the author of evil. He's not the author of sin. He does not cause our afflictions. At the same time, we have to remember that God is sovereign over everything including our afflictions so our afflictions come as the result of living in a sinful fallen broken world in which evil has a certain amount of rain but they're not caused by God God is not out to get you which is it's easy to feel that way when you have a physical affliction right but God we need to remember does not cause our afflictions. However, he is very much at work in the midst of our afflictions. God moves in ways that he doesn't move when we are broken, when we are weak, when we're run down, when we're hurting. His love shines brightly. So we're to see the inner workings here, that that God doesn't cause affliction, but he's sovereign over affliction, and he absolutely moves and does his best work in the midst of that affliction. And we're to see the bigger picture. Paul points us to this idea that God gives purpose to everything. And sometimes I hear people, um, you know, say things like, um, well, you know, God... God caused that car wreck to keep me from whatever. And it's not that God causes car wrecks. He is sovereign over everything. But in the midst of whatever comes our way, he is moving and working. He has a purpose behind it. So, when God redeems a situation, it doesn't mean that he caused the the sin in the situation. It just means that he showed up. And he moves within that context, he gives purpose to everything. And he is and I'm I'm struggling with my language here in this next point that he depletes the physical in order to enhance the spiritual. And it's, it's, again, it's not that God is causing the, the calamity, the, the difficulty. It's that he's allowing it and that when he moves into that circumstance, things become clear. The contrast between the affliction and God's grace becomes more clear to us. And so that puts us in a posture of humility in any literally any physical affliction will put you there if you let God speak to you through that circumstance. So we are to seek this humility that's present in in the reality of our physical nature, and we are to find God's grace in the midst of our afflictions. Paul turns our attention to this idea in verses 8 and 9. And I I just want to emphasize this. If if you are having some kind of affliction, a a sickness, a a brokenness, whatever, please pray, pray about it. Ask God to take it away. Seek his healing mercy. Right? Paul does that. He, he gives us that example. He says he pleaded with God three times. I don't know how long that pleading lasted. But this is the Apostle Paul going to God with it with a need. Um, I, we're to do that. That's part of the program. God wants you to pray. Don't be afraid to ask. He wants you to pray and he works, when you pray but let's go back to the lord's prayer what does jesus model for us there thy will be done thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven this idea that that we want to pray according to god's will and sometimes what we want and what god wants line up beautifully and other times they don't and so pray for what you need, certainly, and be open to the, the voice and the movement of God into that prayer to find his, his will, his purpose, his love in the, in the context of your situation. Don't be afraid to ask, but listen for his response. That is, simply, that His grace is all you need. So, (laughs) Paul, the apostle, with all of his apostolic authority, with the divine revelation that had been given uniquely to him, he prays, he asks, And God says, you already have everything you need. Everything. Every grace imaginable is yours in Jesus Christ. That is enough. And so really, I think what God wants is for us to listen to our bodies when they ache and groan. And allow that to direct our souls to him, to his strength, to his presence, to his power. So, we're to listen for God's response in our afflictions, to know that his grace is all we need. And that temporal afflictions bring eternal clarity. I I think the first time I learned this was... Sitting with a woman who was a member of our church who had terminal cancer. And her husband would, would call me every once in a while and just be, hey, can you come over? She really needs some prayer. And I would come over. Her name was Lorna. Um, great, great person, wonderful soul. And I would sit next to her bed in their living room it was like a hospital bed they put in her living room. She was home on hospice care. And we would just talk and pray and I would read scripture and I thought I was there for her. No. She, in her terminal diagnosis, instead of having despair, She had a spiritual clarity I had never seen before. She saw things much more clearly than I did. She was teaching me what was most important in this this life. So in our affliction... There is a spiritual clarity that can emerge when our bodies fail us. We have to learn to look for this, to see this, and then to relate to others out of that strength of what God reveals to us in our affliction. And so there's humility in affliction, there's grace in affliction, and we are to honor Christ in our affliction that is to let him shine through our brokenness to remember that he does his best work when we are struggling the most his power shows up most clearly in the midst of our weakness this is the god we serve and i Bible says God is patient, sometimes I want a patient God. When I'm being a disobedient idiot, I want a really patient God. Other times, I don't want a patient God. I I want God to do what I want Him to do now. I want Him to end affliction soon. I don't want to wait God's not afraid to wait and to let us come to some realizations that His grace is sufficient for us, that His power is most valuable in the face of our weakness. To honor Christ in our affliction means that we let Him shine through us in our most difficult times. And we let his peace define us. We acknowledge the truth that he can work through anything. He doesn't cause affliction. He does his best work there. His light shines brightest in the darkness. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, We marvel at your word, at how well you know us, you see us, you speak to the very core of who we are. We thank you that you are the God who is there in our affliction to bring about spiritual clarity in the face of physical brokenness, that you teach us and lead us and grow us according to your word and according to your will. Lord, help us to know that your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.